Please note our website has changed to riskcommentary.ca. You're listening to the Risk Commentary Podcast. Are you responsible for managing risk but feel frustrated with a confused process? Your host, Edward Robertson, has helped clients not only face uncertainty but also solve chronic business problems by using clear methods with a minimal footprint. Do it right and your people will smile, love the risk process and invite you back. Stay tuned to find out how. This is episode 17. Is financial risk management equivalent to enterprise risk management? Enterprise risk management is often construed simply as quantitative or financial risk management, and I think that's largely true in many organizations that are financial in nature themselves, that is, that have finance and investment as their core business. My essential question then is, is this a sound approach? So what we'll do is review several aspects of quantitative or financial risk management and discuss these in the context of the financial crisis of 2008-2009. We'll review some of the limitations of quantitative models, and then I'll make some recommendations. Um, I'll end with some quotes from financial experts to show that my view is substantiated by people who are really immersed in the field, uh, that is in financial risk management, and offer an opinion as to the worldview that seems to inform financial risk management. So financial risk management, according to standard definitions, has to do with using financial instruments to mitigate the risks that are incurred by the organization. And in one workshop that I attended, led by a financial expert, uh, enterprise risk management was actually relegated uh, to, to be a subset of financial risk management. Taking just one example of uh, a certain technique or measure, the value at risk. The value at risk measure is um, the measure of risk on of loss uh, on a given portfolio of assets. Another related concept is the calculation of credit risk. And a fundamental idea in investments or uh, potentially cash flowing projects is to compare the internal rate of return, that is the expected or forecast return of a project against the uh, WACC, the the weighted average cost of capital, with the idea that we don't want to overburden the firm with uh, financial obligations that it will not be able to meet. The Monte Carlo simulation technique gives a forecast by running uh, multiple trials on a model with one or more inputs randomly varied within defined limits. And yet another technique, stress testing, has to do with the inflation of one or more variables within a given formula or or model. So I don't pretend to give a comprehensive and sort of orderly presentation of financial risk management techniques. I'm simply pointing out that all of the ones that I've mentioned so far have common features. One of the most striking features that they have in common, uh, for example, value at risk or credit risk, is that they rely on probability distributions. They rely on probability estimates. So then the question immediately arises, well, probabilities based on what? Of course, it's reasonable in an actuarial operation to to draw upon historical data that has been specified and marshaled very carefully to inform uh, insurance products and so on. But what inevitably comes up in the question of risk identification in various administrative contexts is that we just don't have the data to inform the myriad of decisions that we have to make in all various situations. And even if we do have the data, 
Um, well, often it's impugned. That is, it's subject to criticism because it's not really uh, strictly relevant to the context that we're trying to analyze, or it comes from a source that is uh, that sort of lacks credibility, that is biased. Not only that, even if we do have the data, it's rather questionable to manage the future strictly by looking into the past. So let's be clear. If you look at the formula for value at risk, for, for example, it requires a specific probability of loss numerical input. And uh, similarly, the calculation for credit risk relies on probability of default input. So the question then arises, well, where are you going to get those numbers? Now, shifting back for a second to the Monte Carlo uh, simulation exercise or various kinds of stress testing, the Monte Carlo itself does generate a probability distribution for the expected outcome, but it necessarily uses just a finite number of only relatively valid assumptions. And similarly with stress testing, I'm quoting here, if the underlying model being stressed is incorrectly specified or estimated, then the conclusions drawn from a stress test may be invalid. Of course, <laughs> that's from an IMF working paper. Now, the answer, uh, as I understand it from the world of finance, is that any organization involved in uh, financial projects, uh, investments, cash flowing, potentially cash flowing projects, and so on, the whole idea is to use um, the historical data that is available, that is in the database of the organization, and it's called uh, often you know, an internal risk rating system. Now, the more fully developed and finely specified the risk, the internal risk rating system is in a given organization, well, the better its uh, position in the market, the, be the more accurate, uh, presumably, its, de its decisions will be, the more successful its decisions will be with respect to you know, investing. So that means that they've got databases to specify you know, this type of business or that type of business and so on. Now, many organizations having to make these investment and financial decisions don't have an internal risk rating system. So what happens? They end up relying on industry analysts, the investment firm uh, analysts or the credit rating agencies and so on. And um, the complaint that I heard right from the horse's mouth was that these people don't even often return your calls if the investment you know, is really questionable, if it's suspect, if there's some risk involved. And we have to question whether the various analysts and advisors and so on are positioning themselves in the market as truly as advisors and consultants or simply as, as salespeople. And the conclusion from the workshop leader that I was referring to just earlier um, was that organizations really have to design and build their own risk assessment systems. They have to have their own internal risk rating systems and methodologies for uh, risk identification and assessing projects. So that seemed to be sound advice, and yet he was still uh, seemingly recommending that we continue to use quantitative models, um, even if you haven't got the, the data to support it. Um, so, well, let's summarize the critique. All of these various techniques and models that I've been discussing so far uh, clearly are only valid within the limitations imposed by their own scope and the assumptions built into them. And so if you say, well, Edward, that's obvious, um, I can say then there's a cause for questioning whether in many cases financial risk management, and I'm quoting here, has become a mathematical exercise with over-reliance on models. Now that's from an article in the Actuarial Post. Now I should address a related issue which got a lot of press at the time of the financial crisis, 2008-2009, and, and in the aftermath in the ensuing years, and that is whether enterprise risk management actually failed 
Well, I resurrected and reposted an article that I had originally published in 2009, and I updated it. It's called Economic Crisis, Why ERM Did Not Fail. The essential argument is that there's a difference between assessing the efficacy of enterprise risk management methods and the question of whether they were actually applied uh, in a sincere manner. Well, at this point, some listeners might think that I'm being unfair, that I'm really mischaracterizing the whole financial uh, risk management industry. And yet I can say that uh, due diligence is not carried out in the exempt market, in private market investments, for example, uh, for the average uh, retail investor in any way that could be called uh, consistent or comprehensive. And if you want a demonstration of what happens if major firms construe enterprise risk management simply to be financial information, uh, managing the insurance portfolio, and so on, then it's sufficient to look at all the cases where firms have simply driven themselves off a cliff because they ignored important strategic and market-based information that had nothing to do with their financial position, financial forecasts, stress testing, credit risk calculations, and so on. So my conclusion from all this is not to... uh, reject financial models altogether. Um, That would be silly, but rather to suggest that they be brought to the table, all of the various models, calculations, forecasts, and so on, um, brought to uh, a roundtable that is multidisciplinary in nature and that is informed by uh, environmental scan. So what that allows you to do is to examine financial decisions, financial risk, in a full strategic context with all of the various views being presented. So if that's the way things are managed, then we have to conclude that financial risk management is a subset of enterprise risk management, not the other way around. Well, I'd like to substantiate my view here with some quotes from financial experts, which I gathered uh, pretty much at the time when I wrote the original article on this um, that that I had posted on my blog back in 2009. All the amazing models created by mathematicians and software engineers did not fail because they were inaccurate. They failed because the risk managers did not have the common sense or the drive to address the growing and problematic over-the-counter portfolios that they were hired to manage. That's from a commentator, Alison Hoyman. Uh, Here's one interesting article. CEOs discovered too late that they had traded their old-fashioned blind spots for a new kind of blindness, one induced by the comfort of new technology and elaborate quantitative models. With such disasters, and here he's referring to the Société Générale $7 billion um, rogue trading loss, with such disasters as a backdrop, many risk management experts say it's time for companies to revisit the fundamentals. That's from author Bennett Voiles. Or how about this one from Peter Bernstein, the risk management icon. With too much dependence on the math, you lose sight of the dynamics, that the world really moves and that it's a complex system. Indeed, and that's the whole point of considering financial and investment questions in the context of a multidisciplinary roundtable. In other words, in high-quality risk assessment. Financial models will simply not be able to incorporate and express all of the various elements of the problem. Even if you have a highly developed database uh, in an internal risk rating system for a similar project, that is still looking into the past. You need to examine the current investment on its own merits with the current situation. 
Well, on the face of it, I think it's pretty hard to refute the argument that I'm making. And probably a lot of people would say, well, Edward, we're already doing that. We're already looking at financial risk in a strategic context. But I sort of challenge you to examine whether you're really bringing to the table a comprehensive review of all of the various risks from all the different domains uh, with the proper uh, preparation of doing the context and uh, all the specifications of high-quality risk assessment that I've been discussing throughout the, the various episodes in this podcast series. A closely related topic is due diligence. And the question there is, well, what constitutes due diligence? Is there a comprehensive and uh, really well-informed uh, design for a due diligence system that you're using? Or is it uh, more informal and sort of a hit and miss? Now, obviously, there are due diligence methods and systems that have good predictive power that are successful. But th this is all a matter of finding them within uh, the firms that hold them as uh, proprietary methods. So in the absence of a really good due diligence system or a high quality risk assessment, which is multidisciplinary, in which to review financial decisions, then um, the financial view that is arrived at through the quantitative models is going to uh, predominate. It's going to um, sort of carry the day. And I believe it has a certain prestige. This leads me to um, offer a comment about the worldview that informs financial risk management and really management in general. And it's more of a general cultural comment, really. And that is that uh, whatever is quantifiable, whatever is um, connected with scientific methodology and uh, quantities and, and numbers, that seems to have some sort of prestige that is not necessarily warranted. One common expression is, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. And, you know, is that strictly true? There's a lot of things that we simply will not be able to quantify. In fact, I would argue that most of the decisions that we make, even in the business realms, um, are not going to be subject to quantification. We simply won't have the data, as I pointed out earlier. And decision-making is going to be a matter of synthesizing a whole range of qualitative and quantitative information. As a concluding comment, I can mention that the article that I referenced back in episode one uh, pointed out that much more is being underwritten these days. In other words, there's a much more comprehensive view of the firm and its risk management practices being taken into account by insurance companies and credit rating agencies. And so that really speaks to the necessity of having high-quality risk assessment either as a complement or a context for conventional financial risk management techniques. Well, let's summarize what we covered today. Number one, quantitative models are only as valid as the scope and the assumptions built into them. Number two, calculations and estimates often rely upon historical statistical information. And except for actuarial operations, the data often doesn't even exist for a given investment candidate, or the data lacks credibility because of the source, or it lacks strict relevance to the case at hand. Number three, improperly specified models cannot display accurate stress test results. Number four, many firms with good financials and sound insurance portfolios have crashed because they ignored strategic risk that could not be discerned in quantitative models. Number five, financial decisions should be considered using the results of quantitative models subject to a multidisciplinary roundtable review in the process that we call high-quality risk assessment. In this way, finance and investment decisions can be reviewed in a full strategic context. Thank you for listening. Please note our website has changed to riskcommentary.ca. 
Visit today for episode transcripts as well as books and online courses. That's riskcommentary.ca.